0: Each episode will leave you with concrete tips for making positive changes that make a difference. Primal Potential is here to help you lose weight, get healthy, and master fat loss naturally. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am your host, Elizabeth Benton, and I'm thrilled as always that you are spending your time hanging out with me today. And since this really is your show and not my show, I pay a lot of attention to what you say you want to hear about. We're going to be diving into a topic that you've been asking about for a while now, and that is probiotics. And I'll be really candid. I come from the supplement industry and I have some pretty strong opinions about supplements. I've seen some great ones, I've seen some awful ones, I've seen some practices I'm not all that thrilled uh, to know about that happen in the industry. And so I've been a little hesitant to open up Pandora's box with supplement topics. However, probiotics you cannot escape how important healthy bacteria are for health and for fat loss and for metabolism and hormone balance. And it's just such a booming area of research. Seems like we're understanding more and more just how important probiotics are for health. And the other reason I really wanted to dive into this is because there's so much we can control in terms of our bacterial balance with diet and lifestyle. So it's not just a supplement thing. However, we will be talking about some things we should be aware of as it relates to fortified foods, foods that are fortified with probiotics and supplements. So we're diving in today. And back when I worked in the supplement industry, I gave presentations as we developed probiotic products for adults and for kids. And I would explain it like this, and this is a real broad brush kind of way to look at it. We could spend three or four or 25 episodes going into probiotics, and who knows, maybe we will, but from a big picture standpoint... Your body is a bacterial battlefield. There are trillions, trillions of microscopic bugs in your body, right? And there's good ones and bad ones. The good ones are known as probiotics. The bad ones are the ones we think of when we need to go on antibiotics, right? They can be pathogenic, disease-causing. And we want to make sure that the good guys outnumber the bad guys, not only so that we can be healthy, but also so that we can have a strong, resilient immune system and prevent the pathogenic or bad bacteria from keeping us sick because they are outnumbered, okay? You might be familiar with the name Hippocrates. He's kind of known as the founder of Western medicine. And hundreds of years ago, before we had all this research on probiotics and how important they are, he said all disease begins in the gut. And honestly, all disease, including obesity, can end in the gut. After all, that is where the majority of our immune system resides, right? And it's where the majority of our microbiome or this, uh, this, uh, this culture of bacteria, the majority of it is in our GI tract. Plus, the gut is where your body handles all food. So it is all tied together. And if you don't believe that you are what you eat, Consider that the systems that handle your food are also the systems that make you well or make you sick. It is powerful stuff. And we can improve or destroy our immune system and our microbiome and our metabolism with our diet and lifestyle, right? We can make weight loss so much easier or far more difficult Based on how we care for or how we destroy our microbiome. And another thing to keep in mind, we'll talk more about this in a few minutes, within your GI tract, your gut. Many, if not most, of your neurotransmitters are produced. These are the feel-good brain chemicals that influence your energy and your mood and your ability to focus. They're actually produced largely in the GI tract. That's one of the reasons that many people will call the gut the second brain. So this all matters. I want to take just a second and talk terms and definitions, which I don't usually do. um, But I do think it's important in this case because there are so many prefixes to kind of the same root word and we all want to get on the same page. So before I changed my major in college to nutrition, I was actually on a scholarship for Latin and Greek. Go figure, right? I, I just, it was one of those things that was just innately a skill set of mine. And I thought, oh, well, if they'll pay me to go to school, why not? Changed my mind really quick. But anyway, if we look at the root of the words, which are derived from Latin, and we look at the word probiotic, pro means to come before, right? And biotic refers to life. So... It gets a little confusing with the term probiotic and prebiotic, but if we think about it this way, probiotic, basically you can think of as required for life, right? Those are the good guys. Prebiotics, pre and pro can be used interchangeably, but in the case of uh, when we're talking about the microbiome, prebiotics are going to be foods or supplements or really anything that provides sustenance to the probiotics because these bacteria, whether they're Pathogenic bacteria or their probiotics, the good guys, they're alive, so they need to feed on things. And if we don't have anything for them to feed on, then they will die, okay? So prebiotics are basically food for the probiotics to keep them alive and allow them to do what we want them to do, which is to colonize and multiply. Antibiotics are going to be against life. They will kill the bacteria. And the thing about antibiotics is that they kill them all. They are not selective. You do not take an antibiotic to kill one strain of bacteria. They wipe them all out. They demolish them all and we're going to talk about that in a second. But let's get back to probiotic and why are they required for life? Does this name mean anything? And it sure does. They're not only required for life, but they're really they're really required for fat loss and this is a new area of science that we're just now starting to understand. But the bacteria that make up your microbiome, these bacteria, they're alive. They are they are bugs, right? They digest your food, they control your appetite, they control your metabolism, they influence the expression of your genes and they determine the strength and resilience of your immune system. So when we think about like oh probiotics, that's just about GI health. That's just about like bowel movements. No, it is not, my friends. I don't want people to think I don't need to worry about this because you know my bowel movements are regular or I don't get bloated or I don't have you know food intolerances. If you are alive, you need to be aware of and care for your microbiome. And if not, you are setting yourself up for disease, quite frankly. It really is that basic. Probiotics are required for life. These bugs are are such an integral part of almost every process within our body. There are trillions of them. I mean, okay, let me blow your mind with a little fact here for a second. 90%, 90% of the cells in your body are not human cells. They're bacteria. And this 90% of all the cells in your body make up what is known as your microbiome, okay? The health of your microbiome dictates your overall health. Listen, if you don't have the 90% of the cells in your body in good order, right, if you don't have a balance in your microbiome, if that is not healthy and thriving, how can you be healthy as an individual if 90% of your cells are jacked up? You can't be. So this is huge. The health of your microbiome influences your overall health, and that includes your metabolic health think about it as the soil that surrounds a plant, right? Healthy, rich soil is going to lead to a healthy plant that has more complete, robust overall growth and thriving potential. Dull soil without nutrients isn't going to allow the plant to thrive. The plant's going to die, right? And that is the same thing for us. The microbiome is like the soil in which we are planted, okay? So we have to really understand what the standard American diet and, quite frankly, the standard American lifestyle does to our microbiome and how enriching our microbiome and really caring for it improves our energy, our metabolism, our overall health, and our longevity. So from a, from a real high level, looking at the fat loss and nutrition side of the equation, which is just one piece of the puzzle as it relates to our microbiome and probiotics, the health of your microbiome influences how nutrients and energy, think calories, are extracted from the foods you eat. Plus, bacteria actually help to produce nutrients and they have a very significant impact on your hormones. And remember that fat loss is a hormonal game. If our microbiome is struggling, then we will, we will be headed towards hormonal imbalance if we aren't there already. There's a little um, cool fun fact that I remember learning years ago when I was in my product development days working on probiotic product. We are all born basically with a sterile gut. We do not have the bacterial environment. We do not have a microbiome when we are in utero. We're completely sterile, okay? No bacteria. We're kind of pure in a very literal sense. But if we're born via vaginal delivery, we come into contact with all sorts of bacteria in the vaginal canal that basically establishes our microbiome. It establishes our microbiome, and that's a good thing. A lot of the bacteria that we are exposed to during a vaginal birth process is a specific bacteria that allows our bodies to break down milk because that is going to be our first fuel source, right? Then, breast milk naturally contains prebiotics and probiotics, and these prebiotics are the oligosaccharides that act as fuel to feed the microbiome so that it can grow and develop that infant immune system. Babies who are delivered via cesarean section often have a higher incidence of allergies and skin infections and asthma and celiac disease, and we are now understanding that this is due to their lack of initial exposure to develop their own microbiome that fuels their immune system and their metabolism. I mean, that's powerful stuff. But back to the metabolism and fat loss side of the equation for those of us you know, that are beyond infancy... Your microbiome is actually going to dictate your cravings, your cravings, really, your level of hunger and satiety, and your ability to metabolize food. This isn't just like metabolizing food for digestion, right? But also for utilization, what gets used and what gets stored. So if our microbiome is struggling at all, our ability to use the fuel efficiently so that there isn't as much to be stored is going to be impaired, okay? Just to give you a little bit of perspective on how the microbiome influences obesity, I I wanted to share this quote from the chair of the Department of Medicine, who also is a professor of microbiology at NYU, his name is Martin Blazer. and he says, "...bad eating habits are not sufficient to explain the worldwide explosion in obesity. With each generation, there is a heavier impact on the early life microbiome." And it means that we are less and less able to metabolize the food we eat. So, yeah, the food we eat is a big part of the equation, but if our body cannot properly metabolize and utilize it, we are contributing to the obesity epidemic just because of our impaired microbiome. So, how do you know if your microbiome is imbalanced. Well, first of all, it probably is, right? And even if it isn't, or you perceive that it isn't, we still need to actively work to support it. So positive changes for bacterial balance are very important, even if you aren't experiencing any of the common indicators of imbalance. But just for the sake of defining some warning signs of bacterial imbalance, let's name a few. Allergies, anxiety, bloating or gas, constipation, Trouble focusing, weight gain or trouble losing weight, fatigue, headaches, low energy, swelling in your extremities like your hands or your feet or your ankles. I want to talk specifically because I would imagine that the majority of us can relate to one or more of those things. And if we aren't actively caring for our microbiome, we really ought to be. It's like having a houseplant and you never water it or give it any nutrients, it's not going to last that long. So even if you haven't been paying attention up until this point, you can make a very positive difference. But let's talk about some of the specific implications of microbiome imbalances on things that really heavily influence our ability to control our weight. And hunger is one of those things that a lot of people struggle with. I did an entire episode recently on hunger and false hunger and how to control hunger. Well, one thing I didn't touch on, I wanted to go into in this episode, is that bacteria in our bodies that are naturally there and should be there, they make up our microbiome, bacteria has a huge impact on hunger. There's a strain of bacteria known as H. pylori, and if that sounds familiar, it's probably because you've heard it on acid reflux commercials. It gets a little bit of a bad reputation perpetuated by companies trying to sell prescription drugs, but anyway, H. pylori does regulate the production of stomach acid. It's a bacteria, but it also helps to regulate the production of ghrelin, which you've heard me talk about before. Ghrelin is the hormone that gets triggered when you sense hunger, okay? It stimulates feelings of hunger. When you have adequate amounts of this H. pylori strain of bacteria, you will experience less hunger when you do not have adequate H. pylori, you will be excessively hungry. Plus, H. pylori also has um, a role regulating leptin. Leptin is the hormone that triggers satiety or feelings of fullness. These are two different things. The sensation of being hungry and the sensation of being full are very different. A lot of us regularly experience hunger, but don't ever get that true fullness factor or vice versa. And so, H. pylori regulates both of these. H. pylori regulates leptin, which triggers the satiety and feeling of fullness. When you have adequate leptin, you feel full after eating and you experience an energy boost after a meal or snack. When you have inadequate H. pylori, you have more hungry and less, uh, more hungry, more hunger and less satiety plus less energy, okay? Okay. Studies have shown that people who are treated with antibiotics have less H. pylori, of course, because antibiotics are just like uh, indiscriminate. They kill good bacteria and bad bacteria. So the studies look at people treated with H. pylori and find that they have, or treated with antibiotics, find that they have less H. pylori than those who are not as frequently treated with antibiotics, and those who have been on the antibiotic treatment with less H. pylori because of that have more weight gain because they aren't experiencing satiety and they have more hunger. In addition to that, statistics show that as antibiotic treatment in children rises, H. pylori decreases, right, because the antibiotics kill off the good and the bad, and that can be correlated with the rise in childhood obesity. We are treating more and more children with more and more antibiotics more and more frequently, right? And sure, there are many other factors contributing to the rise in childhood obesity, like sedentary lifestyles and the standard American diet, but we certainly aren't doing ourselves any favors from the standpoint of the microbiome when we upregulate hunger and downregulate satiety. Now, this is, this is crazy, another kind of fun fact for you that blew my mind a little bit, Ready? Three quarters of all the antibiotics given in the United States are not administered to people, but instead to livestock, to cows, pigs, and chickens. And not, these antibiotics are not given to treat them for bacterial infections. Are you ready for this? They are given to them to fatten them up. And and the livestock industry has gone on record saying, we don't know why this works, this antibiotic treatment fattening them up, but it just does. Well... It is in part because of, I mean, you give antibiotics to an animal, it wipes out their microbiome, right? One of the things we know that happens with that is more hunger, less satiety, plus inefficient metabolism. We know that this bacterial balance, these probiotics play a huge role in metabolism. So you've got animals that are hungry. They don't experience satiety and they have inefficient metabolisms. We have them being pumped full of antibiotics, not necessarily to kill bacteria, but because inexplicably, it makes them fat. Well, gee, isn't that something good to know, right? On the flip side, though, building, creating in yourself, cultivating a balanced microbiome can make weight loss plus metabolism and hunger and cravings and energy so much easier to deal with. And I could talk about the impact of probiotics on on health and fat loss all day long, because I'm a dork and I love this stuff, and it really, like I said, could be an entire series. I want to focus on another area, and that is insulin. We talk a lot about insulin. It is the master fat loss hormone, right? Insulin's action can turn fat burning on or off, and your bacterial balance has a huge impact on insulin. Bacterial imbalances, not having enough of these probiotics, leads to insulin resistance, requiring your body to produce and release more and more insulin during the metabolism of the food that you eat. The less responsive your body is to insulin, the more insulin you produce and the longer you shut down fat burning. Studies have found, though, that when you have a diet rich in prebiotics, uh, foods that fuel these probiotics Plus, when you strive for introducing probiotics themselves, you improve insulin sensitivity. So that insulin sensitivity returns when you start focusing on introducing those healthy bacteria and giving them the prebiotics that they need to colonize or multiply. A third point... About your microbiome and fat loss. I I just can't stop. I was going to do two, but I'm going to do three. Um, You know, when I talk about, I've done a couple episodes on bulletproof coffee, right? And adding butter and adding medium chain triglycerides or MCT oil. And I've talked about the butyrate in butter and what that does. Probiotics are actually a part of this story. In part because of butyrate, but also because of short chain triglycerides. Not the medium chain, but the short chain. All right. So let me explain. Short-chain fatty acids, which is interchangeable with short-chain triglycerides, are generated when your probiotics munch on these prebiotics, the prebiotic fiber from veggies like onions and asparagus and jicama. So the byproduct of the probiotics eating on these prebiotic veggies is short-chain fatty acids and B vitamins, right? Your B vitamins are necessary for metabolism and energy, so the more we can have of those, the better. One of these short-chain fatty acids that's generated in this process is butyrate. Butyrate's one of the powerful things I talk about in butter. And the great thing that happens when we have this short-chain fatty acid generation, these short-chain fatty acids go right to your mitochondria, the powerhouse energy factors factories of your cell, and they fuel them up. This allows you to be a more efficient fat burner, and also helps to reduce inflammation in your body. Anything that we can do to support our mitochondria supports our metabolism and our health, our longevity, and our energy. And when we have the right fuel for our probiotics, short-chain fatty acids and butyrate, which is one of the short-chain fatty acids, are generated as a byproduct. Another cool thing that is relevant to something we talked about recently that these probiotics do is they neutralize anti-nutrients. So one of the anti-nutrients we talked about uh, that is in peanuts and legumes and things like soy One of the anti-nutrients is phytic acid. Phytic acid blocks the absorption of many of the minerals you need for health and wellness, right? Well, certain strains of bacteria actually convert phytic acid into something called inositol, okay? Which is... What we want more of, we don't want the phytic acid, we want the inositol. It helps to regulate our mood and it improves our insulin sensitivity. We want to be highly insulin sensitive so that we can be efficient fat burning, plus these uh, probiotics in their natural course of growing and multiplying and feeding on prebiotics, generate B vitamins, which we need for metabolism and energy, and also vitamin K, which is hard to come by in food, so we want to generate as much as we can in the body. Let's talk for a minute about things that impair our bacterial imbalance, things that we should stay away from because they damage our microbiome. Number one, sugar. Number two, soy. I did an entire episode on soy that you can find uh, in iTunes or on the show notes. Just search soy. It'll pop right up. Also, impairing our bacterial balance, gluten, artificial colors and preservatives, chemicals and toxins. We want to avoid trans fats or processed fats. Also, And I hate to say this because I'll be real honest and say every now and then I love a Diet Coke. I do. I'm not perfect. But artificial sweeteners can have a negative impact on the health of our microbiome. And then obviously, antibiotics. And this is not just prescriptions, okay? Any type of antibacterial product. So the hand sanitizers, right? They are indiscriminate. They wipe out the good bacteria and the bad bacteria. And of course, antibiotic medications have their place when they're absolutely necessary, but I think we can all agree that they're a bit overused now. They're used more now than ever, and we see it in the impairment of our health and our metabolism and our immune systems things that restore bacterial balance, things to really focus on. Let's talk for just a second about the prebiotics, the way that we can allow the probiotics to stay alive in us by giving them the right food that they need. Asparagus, carrots, garlic, artichokes, jicama, onions, tomato, from a spice standpoint, cinnamon and turmeric, okay? Those are going to be great, fuel foods for your uh, microbiome, things you really want to emphasize. Another thing to help with restoring bacterial balance is to really focus on the balance between omega-3 fatty acids and omega-6 fatty acids in your diet. One of the great ways to do this kind of Automatically is to limit your consumption of processed foods. And if you haven't already, go back and listen to the episode that I did all about omega 3s because I talked specifically about how to balance omega 3s and omega 6s. And then, of course, make room for things that have omega 3s like wild caught fish. Now, as far as delivering probiotics directly into you, right? Whether it's through food or through supplementation, fermented vegetables are a great way to do that. Sauerkraut and kimchi, things like that. Fermented dairy, um, especially from sheep or goats, uh, and opting, as always, and I talked about in the dairy episode, when you can for hormone free dairy products, organic, you know, there are a lot of hormones and toxins that can be introduced in dairy products that we would do best to avoid. So there are ways that you can directly get these healthy bacteria and introduce them. I love sauerkraut and kimchi, and it's something that I try to incorporate several days a week to make sure that I'm introducing and bringing balance to my microbiome. Let's talk about supplements for a second. And I want to first say that i if you have a limited budget, right, and who doesn't, if you have a limited budget and you can either spend X amount of money on good quality food or X amount of money on supplements, I'm always in the camp of spend your money on what your body truly was designed to receive, and that is high quality food. Go with that for sure, right? When it comes to supplements, are there some good ones? Sure, absolutely. Are there some awful ones? Oh my gosh, yes, and you could be throwing your money away. I would rather see you spend that money on good whole foods than try and guess and figure out what's a high-quality supplement and what's garbage. I want to talk, as we dive into this topic of supplementation, about the World World Health Organization definition of probiotics. It has a few criteria. First of all... The probiotics must be alive. Many probiotics, either in food that, foods that are fortified, so like oh we added we added probiotics to this product, or in supplements, they're dead. They're not doing anything to keep them alive, and so you're paying to swallow dead bugs, which is a horrible choice. So, according to the World Health definition, the World Health Organization definition, first of all, the probiotics must be alive and stay alive. They must be delivered in adequate amounts. They must confer a health benefit to the host. They must do something. You are the host. Your body is the host. um, And they must confer a health benefit. So if it doesn't do anything for your health, then it doesn't fit the definition according to the World Health Organization. I also want to say that different strains have different benefits. And so you need a variety. There are thousands of strains of bacteria, many products. Either only have one strain or they don't define which strains they contain, and I think that's crap. I'm all for full disclosure. If a product doesn't say which strains, how many colony forming units or CFUs are in the product from each strain, I don't want to know. I don't want the product. I want full disclosure. How many strains? Name them and tell me how many CFUs of each. I want to go back to what I said about the fact that they have to be alive. This means that during the manufacturing process, during bottling or tableting or capsuling, they have to stay alive. Then while they sit in a bottle on a shelf, they have to stay alive. Then after you swallow them and they go through the digestive process, they have to stay alive. Most companies out there do not meet these criteria, and you are paying for dead bugs that do nothing for you, and that is a waste of money, right? You would need to make sure that the product embraces some kind of technology, it'll say so on the bottle, to ensure that the probiotic, these are very fragile living organisms, some kind of technology that keeps them alive during the tableting or encapsulation or blending process. And then you need to make sure that there's some kind of technology in there that protects these probiotic from the very acidic environment in your GI tract, and that there is some kind of food, generally it's going to be like a fiber, in the product that the bugs can eat so they stay alive while they sit on the shelf, right? Otherwise, again, you're swallowing dead bugs and paying for it, and Most consumers don't know what to look for, and manufacturers know this, and so they just say like, oh, great source of probiotic, well, that's not enough for me, especially when I know that if I have a limited budget, I can do things to avoid damaging my microbiome, and I can introduce healthy bacteria through food and prebiotics through food so that I'm growing my microbiome all the time. And I'm not gonna take a gamble on products that may or may not confer a health benefit to me, the host, okay? So the fairy dust sprinkling of one strain in a tiny amount, it's garbage, right? It's absolutely garbage. I would much rather see you focus on ways to not destroy your microbiome. So if you're taking a supplement that's a probiotic and feeling really great about yourself, but you eat a lot of trans fats or you eat a lot of processed foods or you introduce toxins or you use, you know, an antibiotic hand sanitizer all the time, You're wasting your money. You're wiping out what you're paying money to ingest. So I think that going back to what we talked about before, focusing on avoiding things that destroy your microbiome, sugar, soy, gluten, artificial colors, artificial preservatives, chemicals, toxins, trans fats. I know it sounds like a long list, but it's stuff that if we're following more of a whole foods along the spectrum kind of diet, we'll avoid them. And then focus on things that help to restore your bacterial balance, asparagus. Carrots, garlic, artichokes, jicama, onions, tomatoes, cinnamon, turmeric, a balance between your omega-3s and omega-6s, fermented vegetables, right? That is going to go a long way. And this is not about digestive health only. This is about focus, energy, attention, hunger, cravings, hormone balance. Your microbiome needs attention. And when we make good food choices along the whole food spectrum, we're definitely moving in the right direction, but maybe one change you want to embrace is adding in some of those fermented vegetables or making sure that every day you're focusing on one of those prebiotics, whether it's asparagus one day and carrots the next and tomatoes the next, making sure that just the way you would care for a plant and its soil, you're really going to nurture and care for your own microbiome. So if you guys have questions or things that I didn't go into that you would like to hear me talk more about, please let me know, shoot me an email, head over to primalpotential.com and get on the email list, it's right on the homepage, make sure you're on that so we can communicate easily. That gives you access directly to my inbox, so for sure take advantage of that. And then beyond that, I wanted to let you know, this episode is airing on a Tuesday, yeah, that's right, this episode is uh, airing on a Tuesday. I wanted to let you know that I just launched, and it is on sale until, Saturday, June 13th, my new seminar on overcoming emotional eating and self-limiting behaviors. So if you have not checked that out, I said on a webinar on Sunday night, it is the work I am most proud of. I think that it's amazing, and I know from you all that it's something that you need, the self-limiting beliefs and behaviors that hold you back from really reaching your goals. So head over to primalpotential.com. Under the Work With Me tab, you will see that course on Overcoming Emotional Eating and Self-Limiting Behaviors. It is on sale, deep discount, until June 13th, and that point, the price will go up, so take advantage of that. If you have questions about that, let me know. I am actively engaged in that seminar on a daily basis, answering your questions and helping you along the way because... That's what I love to do, and that's why I'm here. So I'm looking forward to hearing what you think of it, adding more of what you need. And guys, until next time, I'm not going to say stay healthy. I almost did. But we will be back on Thursday with another episode. And until then, I hope to hear from you. Take care.